Our uh, first scripture reading in the morning is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 69. It's a prophetic psalm that uh, Jesus will fulfill on the cross. I invite you to follow along as I read verses 16 through 21. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to me, redeem me, set me free because of my enemies. You know the insults I receive and my shame and dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Insults have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading is a very short passage. It's uh, from John's Gospel, the uh, 20. Uh, 19th chapter, and again, just verses 28 and 29, I'm continuing my sermon series on the Christ and the cross, and so this is another one from Jesus this morning. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back in 1965, scientists at the University of Florida set out to try and solve a problem with the school's college football team. At that time, the Florida Gators were a struggling program, and the coaches had become increasingly frustrated with their team's inability to play well in the hot and humid weather down in Gainesville, Florida. So despite drinking plenty of water and doing everything that they thought they should be doing, the players kept getting dehydrated, and they always seemed to poop out in the second half of the games. Well, the coaches tried alternatives like orange juice and soda, but they didn't have too much success. It seems that the orange juice left the players feeling too full, and the soda just didn't agree with their stomachs either. So out of desperation, the coaches turned to the university science department for help. Well, this problem intrigued a man named Dr. Robert Cade. And he led a team of researchers in trying to figure out why water, juice, or soft drinks were not working to help the players in their athletic performance. And they began studying the effects of fluid and electrolyte loss on the body. And then they began experimenting with different ways of replacing water and essential salts and minerals for athletes during competition. And first, they started with a salt solution very similar to the IV drips that they have in hospitals. Then they added glucose for energy. Well, a few athletes tried this concoction, but it tasted terrible, and they didn't like it at all and wouldn't drink it. So Dr. Cade and his team kind of reconfigured, uh, reconfigured this formula, and they added an artificial sweetener and citric 
acid for taste. And when the athletes tried it this time, they liked it. They really liked it. And so Dr. Cade patented this formula, now consisting of water, sugar, sodium, potassium, phosphate, and lemon juice. He called it Gatorade after the Florida Gators football team. And that first season, when the Florida Gators began using Gatorade, they compiled a winning record and they became known as a second half team. Well, whether you are an athlete or not, you have probably seen or sampled the sports drink Gatorade. And today, Gatorade is the drink of choice designed to rehydrate, replenish, and refuel the athlete. In fact, there are different kinds of Gatorade for before, during, and after a workout. And one of Gatorade's slogans down through the years has been Gatorade for that deep down body thirst. Well, this morning, we come to the fifth in our series on the seven last words of Jesus from the cross. As you know, Jesus is in agony on the cross. Crucifixion is a long, slow, brutal, painful death that also includes dehydration. And so now, for the very first time, Jesus addresses his own physical needs. Before this, the cries from the cross of Jesus were more theological, forgiving sinners, promising a paradise, caring for his mother, and then last week, that cry over the spiritual separation from God the Father. But now, with parched lips, a cotton mouth, and a dry throat, Jesus says these haunting words, I am thirsty. And we have to wonder, how in the world is this possible? How can this be? How can the one who commanded the raging sea to become as smooth as glass need a few drops of refreshment? How can it be that Jesus remained thirsty so that he might redeem us from an eternal thirst? What is important to remember is when Jesus asks for a drink. Jesus asks only after everything else has been completed. It kind of reminds me of those exhausted moms that I see at our preschool on Monday and Wednesdays and Fridays. The ones who drop off, pick up, go to work, run errands, wipe noses, make dinner. In other words, those who will only take care of their own needs after all of their children's needs have already been met. So this request of Jesus, coming so late in the game as it does, tells us something of Jesus' character. It tells us something about his priorities. Let's face it, we would only be thinking about our own needs. We would only be thinking about our own desires. But instead, Jesus seems to be concerned about everyone else except himself. You know, today, many people are incredibly thirsty. They're looking for satisfaction. They are searching for that deep down body thirst. I was in Costco on Friday. One of the things I love to do at Costco is gawk at all of those big, fancy, flat-screen HD TVs with those incredible resolution pixels and incredible clarity. 
They are all so amazing. And they have 65 inch, 75 inch, 85 inch. They even have an 86 inch television. <laughs> and there I am, standing in the middle of Costco, fantasizing. I think I'll take that one. Ooh, I love that one. Maybe that one over there. Now, am I thirsting and thirsting and thirsting? You had better believe it. And yet, it's all kind of shallow, isn't it? Because after you've bought the HDTV, after you've bought the Corvette, after you've gone that on, a, on that expensive vacation, built the house, done it all, seen it all, been there, what is there left, really, if you're still thirsty? Friends, Jesus knows all about that. As he cried out from the cross, I am thirsty, Jesus was saying, I can identify with you. I know your wants. I hear your needs. I understand your struggles. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews put it. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Instead, when Jesus says, I am thirsty, we are reminded of the one we worship who came to dwell with us as a human being and that Jesus went through everything that we will ever go through in our lives. Think for a minute about Jesus' earthly life and ministry. The times when he was tired and slept the times when he was angry and frustrated, the times when he was hungry, the times when he was lonely, the times when he cried. Now, this time on the cross, when he says, I am thirsty. By Jesus saying, I am thirsty, he's demonstrating a desire to be intimate with us in our daily lives. It was a mom who took her four-year-old son to the doctor because he was running a high fever. And the doctor wanted to do sort of a battery of tests, and so he took that device and he looked in the boy's ears and said, who's in there, Superman? The little boy didn't say a word. And so the doctor looked in his nose and said, who's in there, Iron Man? And the boy didn't say anything. And then the doctor put his stethoscope on the boy's heart and said, who's in there, Spider-Man? And finally, the little boy replied, no, Jesus is in my heart. Spider-Man is on my underwear. <laughs> Through the cross, we have intimacy with Jesus Christ as he lives inside our hearts moment by moment. You know, the world out there is so very thirsty. It reminds me of the story of the man who was having a romantic candlelight dinner with a woman, and at one point during that dinner, she said to him, I love you, and I can't live without you. And the man sort of looked back at her and said, now, is that the wine talking? And she said, no, that's actually me talking to the wine. <laughs> Well, we know that people are searching high and low. They are so very thirsty, and they are hoping that 
the world will satisfy their hunger and thirst. So some turn to wine, some turn to women. And as Bono sang, some still haven't found what they're looking for. Well, Jesus gave, came to give us something even better. Friends, Jesus is the thirst quencher. He changed water into wine for that extremely thirsty crowd that was at that wedding in Cana. Despite not carrying a bucket to a well, he offered a Samaritan woman living water. After feeding a crowd of 5,000 people, he spoke of those believing in him, never hungering or thirsting again. And then John, uh, Jesus says himself in John 7:37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus came to satisfy all the dry places of our lives. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, John, how did he do that? Really, how? And the answer is he did it by giving us himself. He gave up his life for us. And so Jesus says to us today, even if you don't have the satisfaction of human love or acceptance or financial security, you can still have me. And so this is what Jesus offers to and me from the cross this morning. Are you someone here today who feels like your life is just running on empty? You're, you're running on fumes. Or maybe you're running full, but all you seem to be doing is spinning your wheels and going nowhere fast. Ever feel like you've got a hunger or thirst that's never satisfied? Ever feel like you're being swallowed up by a society that promises everything and delivers nothing? What Jesus says is, you, you've, been, you've been shopping at the wrong store. You've been buying the wrong food. You've been pouring the wrong drink. Come to me, and I will satisfy your hunger as the bread of life, and I will quench your thirst as the cup of salvation. A man by the name of Larry James tells how his family's thirst was quenched during the parched dry world of Alzheimer's. His mother had Alzheimer's, and that put so much stress on his father that his father then also became sick and had to be put in a convalescent home, the same one as Larry James's mother. But they wouldn't put his mom and dad in the same room, which created incredible emotional stress, not to mention a financial burden. Well, not long after, his mother got so ill with Alzheimer's that she did not even recognize her own son. And so she would ask, who are you? And he would always say back to her, my name is Larry and I am your son. One day, Larry James dropped by the home with his parents' favorite dessert, strawberry milkshakes. And he dropped one off in his father's room and then he went to his mother's room. He sat down in the chair next to her, and he took her hand in between uh, his, and his mother then began to smile. And, and her eyes sort of lit up in a way that he had not seen in a long time. And then a few minutes later, he felt her hand squeeze his once, and then there was another squeeze, and then there was another squeeze. And in that instant, the light bulb went on over Larry James's head, and he knew what was going on. 
He said, I knew that when my mother and father were dating, they would sit in church and hold hands, and my mother would squeeze my father's hands three times as a way of saying, I love you. And then dad would squeeze mom's hand twice as a way of saying, me too. And so Larry James says, I gently squeeze my mother's hands twice, me too. And she smiled. And she said, you know, it's so important to have someone who loves you. And Larry James says he cried. Tears of joy, he cried. And his mother died shortly after that incident. But Larry James says he will always treasure the milkshakes and the memories that God gave to him that day. And he will never forget the refreshment that gave life to his family in that dry, parched world of Alzheimer's. Well, friends, here in this place, God helps us remember who Jesus is. And he reaches out, and he grabs your hand, and he grabs my hand, and he says, I love you. Our nourishment is found in Jesus Christ, who forever satisfies our deep down body thirst. Any other attempts we make to find spiritual nourishment apart from him I guarantee you, will not satisfy us. Because you see, our greatest need isn't for Gatorade, or water, or milk, or coffee, or wine. Our greatest need has been, is, and always will be for Jesus Christ. Our greatest need is for the thirst quencher, who himself was thirsty for us and our salvation while he hung dying on the cross. And so let me ask you as I close, what kind of drink have you been looking for to satisfy your deep down body thirst? Has what you found still left you thirsty and with an emptiness in your soul? My word to you friends is look instead to Jesus Christ, the thirst quencher. Because when we put our faith and trust in him, he will satisfy us, and we will never, ever be thirsty again. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we know as we look around that people in this world are literally and figuratively dying of thirst. And we give thanks that Jesus is thirsty for us to want to know us, to want to be with us, to want to be near to us, and to want to satisfy the longings of our heart. We thank you that in Jesus Christ, the one who from the cross said, I am thirsty, still stands tall today among the searching, the delirious, the confused, and he says to us, come to me and drink. And that when he fills us to the brim, like it says in Psalm 23, our cups runneth over. In fact, he knocks us over so that we actually spill out and splash across the, the parched places of people's pain. God, as your people, help us not to just offer a drip, 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 of a leaky faucet or a trickle trickle 
comes from any kind of spigot, but instead may we offer mighty Niagara Falls, waters of grace and love and power to this world in which we live. May we offer tidal waves of compassion because we have been filled with the wellsprings of joy in Jesus Christ. And finally, O oh God, may we be thirsty for you, the living water, in yearning, longing for, and in the deepest desires you have for our lives. All of these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.